Hello guys, welcome back to the Lost in Translation podcast with Courtney and Tom. And we finally have Mr. Patrick back after many, many weeks of him leaving us high and dry for goodness knows what. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode with our special guest, Jody. I have LOL'd many a time listening back to that episode. And it is for all of your listening pleasure again that we have another guest with us this week, which I will let Tom officially introduce. So Tom, uh, take the wheel. Tom, take the wheel. What a beautiful song that was. Um, so I would uh, I'd be very delighted to introduce our guest this week. His name is a Mr. David Russell, and he's coming to us all the way from Rubri. Can you hear me, David? <laughs> Indeed, I can, Tom. How are you both this evening? Are you okay? We're good, thank we're you. We're good, and we're excited to have you. Very it's all the, all the way from an exotic rubric, so um, yeah, looking forward to it tonight. Yes, and for context, everyone, we live in a place called Cofton Hackett, which essentially is on top of a place called Rubri. So that if you missed a podcast back talking about the British sarcasm, then Americans, that might have flown right over your heads. So here I am to make sure nothing's lost in translation. And for context as well, we spent the first few bits of me trying to figure out the tech to actually record the video of this podcast, of which Dave was very, very patient. But uh, yeah, we unfortunately can't have that. So maybe so maybe another time and we'll certainly have him back so you can see his gorgeous face. But Dave... Oh, no, no, no. I, I wouldn't go that far at all. <laughs> it's, very, it's very much a face for radio. Um, <laughs> but as... But, but as and when, you know, you, you do have me back, and I certainly hope that you will. By all means, you can share my face um, and then, uh, you know, scare off a couple of hundred viewers or however many people are tuning in tonight. You can grace Fantastic. the YouTubes with all that, yeah. Now, do you want to do, I mean, Tom, you didn't really introduce too much other than the place of where I lived. Dave, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? I mean, that's all you need to know, Rubri Boy. Well, Northfield originally, yeah. Let's, 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 mm. let's go and dig deeper into the Dave. Cool. A bit about me then. So my name's David. I like red wine and cosy chats. Uh, I like long walks on the beach in the evening. Um, no, so I'm a, a rapscallion originally from Northfield, which is uh, a pretty rough part of Birmingham. Uh, if you like charity shops and uh, girls with uh, several children and no husbands, that is the place to go. Um, I'm not suggesting I may be the father of several of them, but that doesn't... <laughs> Again, we will kind of cross that bridge when we get to it. Um, but I, I do actually have a lovely little boy myself who's Jacob, the, the one that I do know of, um, and he's absolutely uh, awesome. Um, I previously worked with Tom, uh, so I've known Tom for uh, several years now, nearly yeah. three years now, and uh, I've met Courtney as well, who's an absolute delight. She's my absolutely favourite American. I'm not going to be abashed to admit that. Well, um, I'm privileged. And uh, yeah, so I'm here to uh, have a bit of a chat tonight, have a bit of fun, and uh, hopefully get grilled in a in a nice way, of course. Yeah. Well, yes, and I uh, I think you know just give the viewers a little bit of a flavor of where we live in England, and yeah, you know Birmingham has its has its sore spots, has its gorgeous spots, um, and we used to live in Northfield. It was very convenient to hop on that train and get in, but you know the high street was a different story, as you, as you just mentioned. And um, I will say to give everybody a little bit of context because I don't think either of you particularly would 
bring this story up, but <clears throat> for those of you that know Tom well, you know that he loves, he loves to love. He just loves people, and he loves his friends, and all he ever wants is to be the hostess with the mostess, which means we're a match made in heaven. And when you work with Tom and he starts to then penetrate himself into your sphere, then you actually can't really, you can't really ever escape him and his that's love. One of, that's one of the reasons why I like him so much. <laughs> and I, there's been many a time where I've like heard people downstairs at like four o'clock in the morning and it's Tom who's basically kept Dave under his captivity drunkenly to play football games or soccer for the translation for America. Um, so Dave, he's got a heart of gold and patience of plenty. I mean, one time, memorably, I kidnapped him to watch Riverdale, um, but we found you sp <clears throat> sprawled asleep on the on the sofa. So we wake, woke Courtney up. And then we all had a bit of a, a watch session together, and it was it was a magical night. Mm. I, to, to be honest with you, I still don't see the appeal of Riverdale. Now, this might shock the listeners or the viewers, but um, as Tom will attest, I don't have Netflix, so I'm that technologically inept that I don't have Netflix, and I'm unaware of these shows. So Tom promised me that Riverdale was meant to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, I believe it's based on Ar the Archie comics. Yeah. Is that yes, right? Yes, and and. Um, he did not he did not prep you for it correctly because I have referred Riverdale on so you're either like a Riverdale stan or you're not. And you the line between the two is very fine because I also recommended it to a friend and she was like not bowed it at first because she was watching it while on her phone and I'm like, Look, you either commit or you don't. Like Riverdale's one of those shows where you have to watch every second, every detail, or you miss something that means you're not connected to it. So don't let Tom's one forceful viewing ruin it. It's, it's definitely I, I, okay. I, I think as well during that evening, Tom emerged wearing nothing but a robe. So I think I was actually quite distracted anyway. So I, there, was, there was glimpses of, of the TV show and then a hint of Tom's chest hair at the same time. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was, it was easily to, you know, it was quite easy to kind of lose track of what was happening. Anyone would be, anyone would be distracted. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot going on. Well, right, yeah. yeah. You're only yeah. human. Yeah, it's a lot of sensory stuff, yeah. Mm -hmm. Anywho, shall we move on? Uh... Stepping away from my chest hair at the moment. Um, so, yeah, we are going to be asking, asking uh, an American rather than asking a Brit. But just as a bit of background on yourself, Dave, so you have been to America a couple of times in your life. Um, you went to a couple of the, the more touristy places, um, but I think you had a wonderful time out there. Is that correct? That's very true. So it, it's been a long time since I have been there. Um, and again, it was mostly the tourist hotspots that I went to. So I went to Florida twice uh, in 2004-2006. So that was basically the whole Disney shebang, you know, Disney parks, Universal Studios, wet and wild, so on and so forth in the hot Florida sun. So that was lovely. Um, and then the last time I went again, it's quite a while back now, 2011. So that was New York and Vegas. So again, had a lovely time in New York. Uh, went to Las Vegas, disgraced myself, um, but it was a really fun time. Hey, so it has been. Vegas. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Uh, I must uh, give Ramon a call. Um, but <laughs> but less about that. Um, we'll touch upon that later. Um, but um, no, it, was, it has been quite a while. Um, but 
I did thoroughly enjoy, and I'm eager to get back. To be honest with you, I'm really. I, I want to see more of America. I'd like to go to some of the more less touristy places that are kind of off the beaten track and see a bit more kind of, I don't know, maybe more traditional America and, and something that's not quite so maybe kind of diluted by the tourists. Yes. Well, I mean, Tom didn't really intro the episode, so naughty podcast host. This week's episode is. A twist on the Ask the Brit segment. You like lightly said that you need to, you know, give the viewers a, a palate cleanser and a mousse bouche. Okay. Um, okay. And so we're going to ask the American this time. So I get to have some questions thrown at me, um, which takes Tom out of the hot seat for once. And I think, Dave, that is an, actually an excellent intro because. Over here, a lot of British people, when I speak to them, so many more have been to Disney than I ever thought would. I am actually genuinely shocked because there's a lot of Americans that haven't even been to Disney World. And I would have assumed you guys would have all gone to Disneyland Paris or Euro Disney. Um, But no, you guys do make like the transatlantic flight over to see the Royal Deal. And then, of course, you got to do Vegas. And actually, you can do Vegas for pretty cheap. There's like tons of deals or there were pre-COVID. So I think, you know, you've seen like the touristy bits, which is pretty. I mean, the fact that you've been to America at all is fantastic. But then, of course, obviously, most of the other references that you guys have to America is there's like a ton of American TV over here. I was so shocked about that. Like, most channels just do reruns of American TV shows. I mean, if you look at Channel 4 on a Sunday morning, which is required viewing, you'll start with uh, Everybody Loves Raymond, Mm -hmm. followed by a round of Fraser. Um, You might have a bit of Will and Grace thrown in as well. Then if you flip over to Channel 5, they've got the Friends Marathon on, which is just on rinse repeat. Um, So, yeah, so many American shows have have, have come over, and I suppose in a a fashion, in, in a way that, a lot of English shows have kind of influenced some of the American counterparts, i.e. if you look at The Office, which started with um, in England and then obviously transitioned into the American. You can almost see as well some of the American shows that have come over here and perhaps influenced some of the UK shows, like The Wire, for example, which was fantastic, came over here. That probably spawned, you know, maybe shows like The Bodyguard or, or, or things like that, you know, the same kind of gritty kind of drama. You know, if you want good drama, you know, suspenseful, you know, high production values, you can't beat like the American, you know, HBO kind of full on kind of shows and and series, which have, you know, gone mad over here. Definitely. So with that in context, obviously, you've been to America. So you have probably some questions from that, no doubt. Mm. But then you probably just have some like general questions of some stuff you've seen on TV. And you think, I don't know if this is real or not. So I suppose mm. now we'll hand it over to you and you can ask away. What is the first question you want to know? So I actually prepped for this, believe it or not. <laughs> so I, I actually wrote some questions down today. Um, so I've got a kind of smorgasbord of, uh, smorgasbord, uh, mm. of, uh, of questions to go through. Um, so first question from me. Weapons in Walmart... What's the deal? <laughs> so, so I, I'm in Walmart in Florida. I'm I'm perusing the cheap clothes, like the Disney knockoffs, which are absolutely fantastic, which is brilliant. And I'm looking down the food aisle. I take a turn. It's a glass cabinet, and it seems to contain shotguns, AR assault rifles, and all manner of weapons of destruction. Um, 
Now, is that commonplace? Is that you can literally just go into most supermarkets and just think, do you know what? While I'm here, I'm going to pick up like a big old rifle and just go for it. So, okay. Luckily, I have been asked this many, many a time because anybody that's ever been to Walmart in America notices that. And then they're like, what? And it's so funny because like I am so used to it that I wouldn't even like pick that up. But okay, so a couple of things. Yes and no. It's commonplace in like, so in America, our stores are like a little bit different. So because over here, you'll have like a Tesco superstore or whatever, and it's literally got everything. But most, if you use the word supermarket back home, is just food only. Like it won't even sell clothes or anything. So if it's just a food only place, no. Now, Walmart is like its own beast because Walmart's the only thing that's like the super centers over here where you can have like clothes, home, etc. Um, and then the only other place you would find then guns would be, uh, like they have these massive hunting and fishing stores called like Cabela's and Bass Pro. And they've got, if you think the Walmart gun section is enough, like there's like a whole store just full of guns everywhere. And then of course, like your independent ones. Yeah. I mean, just to kind of jump in a little bit there, that's, that's one weird thing that I found, like, especially in the South, a lot of sports stores, um you know often contain guns and ammunition as well so that's you know that's part of their sports now yeah in walmart you will notice it's in the sports section so down south because i I don't actually know what it's like up north or like in even in like middle america because i haven't really been um in those areas so down south hunting is huge like pretty much every guy that i know i would say like eight out of ten guys that i've ever met was like a massive hunter. So it would be like a pastime, you and your dad would go hunting or you and your uncle or whatever. Like all the men in my family pretty much except for like my dad and my brother and a few others were like hugely into hunting. So much so that one of the fun facts I like to throw out there is in my school, so I was in eighth grade, so I think that would be year nine here. Yeah. Um, I was 14 and I could either, there was like a six week period where I could either take more Louisiana history or I could get my hunter's license. And I like shot a gun on the school grounds as a 14 year old girl because like obviously learned how to do all this and it was heavily supervised, but it is like a funny Louisiana anecdote now that I like look back on it. So the guns that you should see should be shotguns for hunting. Now, Florida is another beast, and I don't want to, like, diss Florida, but there's a reason why so many TV shows and stuff, like, there's that Brooklyn Nine-Nine episode where they talk about the fact you can get AK-47s. I have no idea why you can buy that in a Walmart. Like, you should not be able to, but Florida is its own beast, and I can't speak on its own behalf, but most of the time it's for hunting um and and that's why it's so prevalent because like it's just especially in like the autumn and the winter that's peak hunting season really i was i was so tempted to pick one up while i was there i literally i i thought i thought you know well one there's no way i'm gonna be able to smuggle this back on the plane home there's no way that, <laughs> that that's gonna try. happen um so in the end i went with the snow globe well, so it was yeah, it, it was a close again. second but it, yeah it just fascinated me just these big old glass cabinets just filled with guns uh, yeah. and whatnot 
And actually, um, I guess to flip that, sorry to interrupt mm, you, but like for context no, no. for the American listeners, guns, aren't, aren't they illegal here? You No, they're not illegal, but you need to have... Basically, uh, you need to have a cabinet. If you you have to own a cabinet uh, with a with a special kind of lock, if you're going to be owning a shotgun, and, and that's all you can own is a shotgun um, for yeah. hunting. Under and, and very, you can get a license for certain guns under very very specific circumstances. So, for example, I've lived in England for twenty nine years, and I've known maybe two people that have owned shotguns, and I've never known anyone that's owned a gun that wasn't a shotgun. So, yeah, it's extremely rare to yeah, find someone who... Very, very super rare, and I've never seen a... I, no, actually, I've seen one gun store ever in my time of being here, and it's because we were in Somerset, which is, like, the countryside. So, yeah. So I thought I'd give that context, Dave. But, yeah, crack on. Come at unless, me, Unless you live in Hansworth, whereby they're pretty much a regular occurrence, I imagine. Um, for those of you that don't know, Hansworth is a lovely inner suburb uh, of Birmingham. Uh, whereby if you venture out on the night time, be sure to carry your stab vest um, yes. to bear that in mind. Staying with supermarkets, okay. the English section. Now, let's talk about this because this is something that shocked me. And I don't know whether you're aware of this or whether it was just this particular shop. Now, this wasn't a Walmart. I think this was a Publix. Yes. Now, is that is that like the downgraded version of Walmart? Is oh, that my like... God. No, every... <laughs> Every southerner that's going to listen to this is going to like come with like pitchforks at you. Publix oh, is like <laughs> 14 times better than Walmart. Like Walmart is nothing. Walmart's a peasant in comparison to Publix. Like Publix is where it's at. They have like the best So is So is Publix like the white trows of the United States? Yeah, pretty. I mean, it's pretty similar. I guess it would be like a somewhere between a Sainsbury's and a Waitrose, maybe. It's not bad. That's not bad. So I was in a Publix, um, which we've established is better than uh, Walmart. Yes. Um, and I found what I can only describe as the English section. So bearing in mind, we've been over in the States for a couple of weeks. Um, we've been sampling the cuisine. And then there's a small aisle with a small section. And in there was Heinz baked beans. Uh, there was Ribena, there was Cadbury chocolate, there was Walker's crisps. Um, and we were simply amazed by this small, you know, we, it, it almost like it drew it like flies to the nest, to the, to the <laughs> light, you, like moths to the light. You could tell all the English tourists in there because we're all crowded around this very small section in one of the aisles and we're all gawping at the, the English food, which we miss so much. I think I bought a bottle of Ribena and it cost $6 for a bottle of Ribena. Um, which was staggering, but my God, it was the greatest squash I had that week. Um, is that commonplace or no. is that just a public thing or was that just a mirage, do you think? Do you think I was <laughs> uh, in the heat? I just imagined it and it just wasn't an actual thing. It might have. It might have been. Uh, but I heavily doubt that because Publix is like going to rain down on that super cold AC in the Florida heat. No, so it's funny that you, as soon as you said that, I was like, I guarantee that's like a one-off because they know a load of British tourists go to that area of Florida. Yeah. So, because like over here, obviously, they have like the different aisles for like international foods. But so, for example, you would never, I don't think you'd ever see that in New Orleans because you would, you would hardly find a British person, so they wouldn't have the market for it. 
Whereas I do remember my cousins lived in Houston, Texas, and we, my family like went up there for a holiday and I made my dad drive us to this store, which um, <clears throat> Houston is like six hours from New Orleans by car, made him drive out and seek this store somewhere because it was like a British food store that some expats um, that still had a heavy British mm. accent like owned and it had everything. It had even more things than I think I've ever seen in England um so they're few and far between because most of the immigrants in america tend to be from like latin america or mexico but what would have happened is publics would have been like these brits are coming over and they're thirsty for their ribena and we're gonna sell it for six dollars it was it was fantastic we we all marveled and we did that really brilliant british thing where they had like a box of cadbury's fingers and we kind of marveled at them thinking my God, they're the same. They're the actual same. And we bought we bought them, and then we ate them. And we were like, good Lord, they taste the same. As if it's some kind of divine miracle that, like, Cadbury's fingers would have tasted different in America than they do over here. Um, and also the HP beans went down a treat. Um, we did enjoy them. Now, that, um, that's not even well. a thing in America. I don't even think I've talked about the beans situation. Oh, no, I, I did. We did, hey, we did talk about the beans situation. If you have, if you've, if you've not followed us all the way through, folks, go back to episode one. But, yeah, because baked beans in America are, like, a totally different, and they're, like, a side dish if you're having a barbecue, where obviously the ba- Heinz is a mm. brand that's in America, but they make a different kind of bean over here in England. And the fact that they ship that out there, yeah, that's intense. I was I was impressed. I was mightily impressed. Like, Publix went right up in my estimations. And you yet know, you it was... still asked if it was worse than Walmart. What I don't know. Of... I don't know. What I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm the I'm the Brit that just walks around in the heat trying not to melt. Just you know, we're not used to that kind of temperature. So put it this way: so mm. Publix is like only I I think it's only Florida. I think they might have some in Georgia or something too, but it, they're like very rare. And no, they're in Alabama too. That's what it is. And our spring break for university, I would make sure that we would stop at Publix because I wanted this specific kind of tea that you could only get there. So like, I mean, that's intense. I would like break the the spring break vibes just to get this tea. So it's you, you landed in an amazing supermarket. You didn't even know. Indeed. I feel feel quite blessed to be honest Mm. with you that that I got there and, and I feel that it's, it's, it was an experience. Um, again, staying on the food thing, and again, this might have happened, so I apologise because it has been a while since I've been there. Have you introduced curry sauce at McDonald's in America yet? No. no. Why on earth not? Right, okay, I'm going to get on my soapbox here. <laughs> so McDonald's, universal name, popular everywhere. It doesn't matter where you go. You're going to love McDonald's. But my God, the poor young man at the, at the, at the serving hatch in again florida you know like we'd ordered our meal um have you got any curry sauce huh curry sauce curry sauce have you got any curry sauce what 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 curry sauce what barbecue no no have you got curry sauce and he was completely flabbergasted at the suggestion um why has it not kicked off over there okay why is it not a thing That is one of the funny things, I guess, because, like, Heinz as well. Heinz is in America and the UK, but yet you can't find some of their products across the two countries. And it's the same thing with McDonald's, because, like, obviously in Amsterdam you can get the frites sauce, but you can't get it anywhere else. 
So I think where it stems from is the fact that curry is not a big deal in America. So I knew before I came to England that I needed to have a curry over here because you really rarely find them ever in America. They're just not as big. Like our takeaway food is basically like McDonald's and Burger King or Chinese, which is different from Chinese takeaway here. So that's where it stems from is the fact that if they did introduce it, they probably wouldn't have like a big uptake in people wanting it. But I do think you could like, okay, and it's been so long because I wasn't really a McDonald's person back home. But I think you can get ranch at American McDonald's, but you can't get it over here. So there's obviously mm-hmm. different sauces everywhere. And you can also not get mozzarella dippers at American McDonald's. And I do not know why they don't put that over there. Because I am telling you, they are so good over here. I think maybe they just don't want to take on the might of Sonic, which is probably my favourite American fast food place. This is true. Mm. Well answered. Now, here's an interesting one. And this might be jumping on assumptions here, so I do apologise. No date, you've already heard my dulcet tones. Uh, my, my, uh, my enticing tones as an American. The general consensus is that Americans tend to think that English gentlemen sounds either exotic or sexy in any way, shape or form. Really? Even with this terrible shrill from my voice? Okay. Even the Scouse accent? Um, e- 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 <laughs> I'm so glad you brought this up because as you're speaking, I forgot to give context that you have like a very Birmingham accent. Mm, yes. I do. So... As a general question to anybody out there listening, any Americans listening to this, would you find this attractive in any way, shape or form? Or is it the stereotypical kind of posh British London accent that kind of gets the motor running, so to speak? Okay, I will answer because it's so difficult now because since I've lived over here and we've been based in Birmingham for so long, like I, I think I have a different perception than I would have. So number one, most Americans, I'd say like 90% have no idea that there's different British accents. Like we all just assume you're going to talk like the posh accent. Um, I guess like now with Netflix and stuff, there's like so many shows that feature people in different parts of the world. Maybe that's different. But definitely when I came over, I was that was one thing that shocked me was for such a little place, there's so many freaking accents to get. Now... In general, this is how I would answer on behalf of the American female population. Mm. So I would say the foreign accent over here is sexy lumped together at first glance. Because some of it is just like, ooh, he's from England. That's exciting. Like England is a sexy destination. People want to go there. So if they hear the foreign accent, and they're definitely going to know you're from England, then they're going to be like, ooh, tell me more about yourself. And I think maybe some of it just has to do with the prospect of like, maybe I can go back to England and visit or I don't even know. So there is some... So, yeah, so if I could entice people back to Rubri, which consists of, as mentioned, charity shops and takeaways um, and lots of grey weather or Northfield with the single mum population, um, you know, it, yeah. the dulcet tones would, would lure people in. It would kind of like, you know, kind of help sell the dream. Yeah. Now, since I've lived over here, the Birmingham accent might be my least favorite, I, I must admit. Um, brutal, brutal. But it's, I'm also like, just, ha- I think it's like one of those things where 
you just kind of get tired of hearing it. Like, even now for me, the general British accent isn't as sexy as, say, like, the Irish accent. Like, now the Irish accent's my favorite accent because I hear this all the time. So I'm like, boring. Um, so, yeah. But I would say in general, people would, they wouldn't even, they'd probably be like, hmm, that's different than what I was expecting. But they'd still be intrigued because they'd be like, so, where are you from? This mysterious stranger with a strange mm-hmm. dialect. Like, oh, where's this chap come from? And yeah. then the second I go into yam-yam mode, American, you won't understand who you... Tom, do you want to elaborate what yam-yams are? I mean, I wouldn't say you're quite a yam-yam, but um, you're close enough to uh, to be within the blast range. Mm. Um, so, yeah, a yam-yam is basically someone from the Black Country, uh, the Black Country being the area sort of to the west of the west of Birmingham, your Warsaw, your Wolverhampton, your West Brom. Dudley. Yeah, that's where a proper Yam Yam's from. Um, and Dave being the west side of uh, west side of Birmingham. Te- technically, technically North Worcestershire now, Tom. Come on, let's be accurate. I technically know. North Worcestershire. And I was going to say, Rubri is that much closer to like Stourbridge, and Stourbridge is technically part of the Black Country. Yeah, so you, you kind of... Rubri's, Rubri's get, you know, you go Rubri, frankly, and then you're practically in Hales Owen, so... Yeah, I don't know. The Yeah, the Black Country accents may be a little bit worse than the Birmingham accent, but maybe not, because they at least have some different words, so then it's, like, I can't understand it, but it's still, like, intriguing. So if I said to you, Courtney, if I said to him, Yamoroita, kid, how am you? Well, now I know we- what that means. You know what that means. But I assume that would put off 99% of the female American population, wouldn't it, I imagine? Yeah, I'm all right, our kid, how are you? Yes. I see. Only because it's like the black country dialect kind of sounds like what a grandpa would say. So, yeah, maybe I'd leave those parts at home. Yeah. And just stick with the slight twang. Just have the slight slight twang is workable, do you think? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, if anybody gets well, if anybody gets in touch after the show, if anybody has been lured in by my dulcet tones, then uh, by all means, do uh, let me know. Well, um, I know I was going to say I might just have to open it up to the ladies of America so I don't misspeak on behalf of the population. But mm, I'd, say, I'd means, say that was a pretty send, political answer. Send them my way. Send them my way for, uh, for frank well, we'll discussions move, about accents and stuff. Well, we'll move uh, on from that. Uh, your next question, sire. Indeed. So, I've got a question, which is a bit random. Why do you write your dates backwards? Yes, this is... Why do you write your dates backwards? It confuses the bejesus out of me. I can't answer that because I have no idea. And it's weird because I I see the value in... do. So, okay, context. In Britain, the format is date, month, year. In America, mm-hmm. the format is month, date, year. I don't know why. I I truly can't answer that question. The British version still looks odd to me, even though I've been doing it for five years now. But I I have no idea. I think we might like I have I don't know. Do you know anything about that? Um, I think I think America just sort of looked at what the UK was doing and they thought, well, I'm more interested in what the month is rather than the day so you know if it's if it's you can tell straight away if it's december and you need to wear something warm compared to august and then it's something cold well that's what i was just about to say i was like if i had to have a crack it would be like so in school like every month 
or and and just like in general so august it's the beginning of school in america october it's halloween so the month is the most important part because that's the context and then the date is just like irrelevant because there's not really that much of a difference between the first and the thirty-first most times. So th- yeah, that would be the only explanation that I would have. I I I think you should investigate that. To be honest, I, I think, think for the next episode, same. I think for the next episode, you need to do a bit of homework and yeah, try and find out a legitimate reason yeah. why. Because that has that has stumped me. Um, one more question, if I may, and this is actually yes. a request from uh, from my colleague uh, Becky at work. Um, why do you whip your butter? whipped butter are you talking about like the fact that you can get like whipped flavored butters in the supermarket you can do i believe so i I believe now i'm going off what she asked me to mention was that i'm sure she said she'd been down south i think she had been to somewhere in louisiana and they had what she called was i believe whipped whipped butter i've seen this um it's whipped butter it's not something you'd necessarily get in a supermarket but you do tend to get it if you're in a fancy restaurant and say you get the soup of the day you'd quite often get a bread roll with whipped butter um it's you could probably get it in certain certain stores but it's it's the kind of thing yeah you go into a posh restaurant yeah you you might expect a bit of whipped butter there i reckon it's just because it's easier to spread and it is yeah because i was gonna say they definitely serve it in fancy restaurants and i think it's partially because it's just like lighter and it's easier to spread because over here that is the thing that always cracks me up it's like you'll go somewhere and then they'll give you this really stiff block of butter and it never actually melts on cold bread so then you're just eating like blocks of chunks of butter on top of something it is it is such a dangerous game over here to get a a block of butter out of the fridge get a slice of bread i guarantee you there's a 90 percent chance the knife will penetrate the bread it's going to go straight through when you're trying to make yourself a crisp sandwich or something along those lines it is absolutely uh, atrocious. So you have to kind of leave the butter to warm up, to soften up, because yeah. if you try and do it, it's, it's game over. It's game over if you do it straight out of the fridge. Can I just confirm, when you say crisp sandwich, you mean sandwich with crisps in? Yes. Yeah, that's fine, mate. I'll have a crisp sandwich. You butter your crisp sandwich. Oh, though. yeah, defo. I do that Yeah. Too. What? Yeah, oh, of course you do. Yeah, you, you butter it, and then you put... The, then you, put you can't have it a dry crisp sandwich. Yeah, it's too no. dry. I agree. Defo, yeah. Too dry. I mean, I'm all about the crunch. You know, I think the butter would take Ew, away the crunch. just bread and crisps. So, first of all, the concept of this at all <laughs> would have made me feel sick back in America. But, like, now I'm just going to say... So you do the bread, the bread, the butter, the crisps. Like without the butter, it's weird. It's just dry. It's like sandpaper. If you don't have it with any butter, I find it congeals and like it gets stuck to the roof of your mouth and you have to kind of like, ah, flick it off and whatnot. It's not pleasant. You've got to have a bit of butter. You've got to, you've got to soften it up a bit. Well, if you didn't know Tom was a psychopath before, now you do because of this crisp shenanigans. You're going slightly down in my estimations this evening, Tom. I'm not going to lie to you. Now, while we're on the topic of the gourmet versions of the butter, though, so another Mm. benefit of the whipped butter is at this supermarket, you can get flavored whipped butters so you could get like pumpkin spice butter and like cinnamon butter straw i think they probably even have like strawberry butter i mean look when you whip it you can add the flavors to it and then it's a real exciting treat that's impressive that's impressive that that kind of elevate i mean butter here is just a big block of yellow yeah i mean it's good fatness basically that you just 
it's yeah, much better everything. quality than Amer than like American butter. I'll say that much. But yeah, yeah, I'm surprised about you know what that even took me for a loop. I've never been asked that before. That's a unique question. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. See, I, I see. I, I, I bring the goods. Yeah. I bring the goods to the show. I ask the weird questions. I ask the questions you don't have answers for. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's all going on tonight. It's, it's. We're, we're proper rocking and rolling. Getting crazy now. Getting cray cray up in here, baby. Before Tom says anything else that's of concern, <laughs> um, are there any final, like, any last question that you have before we close it? Um. Off? I think I think the the last one, and again, it's food related. They all seem to be food related for me. Okay. And the, the the last one for me is, and it's probably something that's been asked before, is portion sizes. Hmm. Now, when I so when I went over there, I I had some breakfast pancakes right in a diner, and it literally consisted of these four huge slab like pancakes, with like fruit on top, syrup. It was astronomical the size. Um, you know, I went to a place in Vegas called Serendipities, uh, and I had uh, an omelette and chips or an omelette and fries over there. The omelette covered at least three quarters of the plate. And there was actually fries in the omelette, which I was shocked at, as well as fries on the side. It just seems that it, and it didn't specify anywhere that this was a large meal. It was just literally whacked down in front of you. Um, is that can you have regular meals in 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 America? I mean, is I mean, I think the great thing about America is that everything is kind of grandiose, and and I love the fact that everything is big and and wonderful and and fantastic. Um, but to be honest with you, sometimes the portions did scare me. Uh, at one point, I did end up in a fetal position uh, on the sidewalk in Florida uh, on the pavement um, after eating a burger oh uh, and gosh. chips. Um, they must have thought I was a homeless or a vagrant or a bum. Uh, as they're known as in America, I assume. Um, now, but it, it it buckled me so much. This is the huge. number one question that I get asked all the time. <laughs> so again, I'm glad you brought it up because I like have the answer ready to go. Can you so <clears throat> can you get a smaller, like more normal sized meal? Yes. So typically, the places where you'll get like larger than life portions are definitely touristy spots um and then it'll be like diners and uh like that kind of casual grill like i don't want i don't want to bring gender into it but like sports mm. bars and places like that where it's yeah. like a lot of yeah. men that go so like diners get a lot of mm. truckers and stuff now, if you were to go to, like, one of my favorite places to get lunch is a place called Zoe's Kitchen, which is, like, mostly salads and healthy stuff. The portion mm. is, like, perfect for one person. So, and, like, Chipotle, perfect for one person portion. So there are tons of places that are like that. Um, I actually do not know the difference. I guess it's just a case of... Um, it, like I think Americans almost look over here and think they're a little bit stingy with their portions because typically when you go out to eat in America and Tom can vouch for this because he's gone out with my family a million times you're always leaving with a to-go box so whatever you ate that day you can also have a completely maybe one to two more meals off of it I have never finished my plate unless it's been like enough for a portion for one person 
So, you know, I I can't remember leaving any restaurant without a to-go box, which is, like, very, very standard. Usually at the end of the meal, the waiter will come over, and the first question he asks is, would you guys like any to-go boxes? So I don't know. I don't know what happens over here. I guess, like, it's just because I find that um, typically when you go to a restaurant here, especially if it's a smaller one, like a lot of times you'll see that certain things have been crossed off the menu because it's sold out for the day. And I've never seen that happen in the States. So I reckon it's just like they usually have a lot more stock and inventory in the kitchen. So they're much more like giving with the food. And then I suppose like some people like truckers, etc., will eat the plate and they expect to see it. And it's like value for money. But yeah, I think, yeah, it's just a different it's a different culture in the UK you would just expect to have a decent sized meal but you wouldn't really expect to leave anything behind and you wouldn't be expecting to to need a takeaway box in the vast majority of cases whereas in america it's just a case of you are expecting to you know you're expected to take some away so it's not a big issue if you don't eat your full meal you know it's 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 just one of those things where the culture is is so different in terms of what people expect when they go out to eat yeah and it is funny because i remember one time we went to the barnt green inn shout and this was when when i first moved here and i had like a huge sunday lunch and i had an appetizer so like i by the time my main came i couldn't finish it but i wanted to finish it when i got home so i asked the guy i was like do you have anything that i can take this away in and he, like, honestly, his reaction was if I asked him if I could kill his mother. He was like, what? And I said, I, I'd like to take the food away. And he literally said, legally, I can't let you do that. And I kept going, what do you mean? Like, all I want to do is take this food that's on my plate and put it in a box so that I can bring it home with me. And I kid you not, he actually did end up bringing me a plastic container. But then he also made me sign a legal waiver saying that by bringing this food home, I would not sue the restaurant if I got sick from eating it, like, at a later date. And I was so scar emotionally scarred from that experience that I have never asked for a to-go plate again. I mean... <clears throat> Usually they just give you a piece of foil. Yeah. They'll just give you a bit of foil and just whack it in the foil and wrap it up. Yeah. And sometimes they fashion it into like a lovely little handbag shape, so you can so you can take it home and carry it and look quite jaunty yeah. uh, when you're bringing it back. Some pubs will let you do that. It's it's quite rare. The pub I used to work in would uh, would do that if you asked for it. But yeah, it would have to be we'd we'd have to wrap it up in foil because we wouldn't have a, a box or anything. Um, but in terms of sort of signing a waiver, as Dave will well know, as a very experienced account manager who works in the catering industry. Um, yeah, we would uh, we would always advise people who are say catering for private events, weddings, per parties, that kind of stuff, to have a waiver so that they can get people to sign it to say, you know, you're not going to sue us if you eat this food in eight hours time, because the thing is, some people are that dumb. Some people would see a piece of food that's been sitting out for eight, nine, ten hours, or they'd take it home and try and eat it the next day and give themselves food poisoning. That so, was how I got food poisoning. Wow, I mean, yeah, some people are that dumb. Indeed, indeed. It was. Happened? I was working. This was on my brief stint working at Aldi. Oh. Um, so I had a brief stint working at Aldi. I walked in for an evening shift, and there were some uh, exposed sausage rolls on the staff room table. Now, bearing in mind, I was starting my shift at two, three o'clock in the afternoon. I have no idea how long they were there for. 
They may have been there all morning and for the portion of the afternoon. They may very well have been left out overnight. I don't know. But I waltzed in. I thought, happy days, exposed sausage rolls, give me some of that. Noshed them down um, and then proceeded to do my till job. By the time it gets to 10 o'clock at night, I'm thinking something doesn't quite feel right here. Um, And then it progressively gets worse. And then I got home. uh, And then sparing the gory details, um, they came out in reverse in spectacular fashion. Um, so yeah, if there's a, if there's a lesson here, don't eat food that has been left exposed on a table for, you don't know how long and by whom. And that's there coming from an experienced exposed sausage gobbler. Well, who would have thought mm. that the portion control situation in America could lead to this lovely tale that we all need to know. Mm. And with that in mind, before we go into any further, as you mentioned, perhaps gory details, will officially go ahead and end this episode so dave many many thanks for preparing i'm like properly impressed and i'm not gonna lie the butter question stumped me so you did good there i definitely wasn't expecting some of those and i'm always glad to answer the expected ones because of course i know that i have an answer prepared rather than i know the answer um, so what we always like to do is say, where can the people find you if they'd like to follow you and hear some more of your crummy accent, perhaps? Very good question. Now, Tom will testify this, and this is probably something that might shock people, is that I don't have any social media. Oh, my gosh, um, I He's a difficult man no. to find. I mean, I'm like the milk tray man. I'm a man of mystery, so more I... More than I'd say, but okay. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm a little bit more whiter. Um, so I have so I have no Facebook, I have no Instagram, I have no Twitter. Um, I suppose if anybody did want to hear my Dorset tones, they could always ring NCAS if you're a caterer <laughs> or looking to get started <laughs> in the catering industry. By all means, you can call us, call me on the NCAS website. I'll happily tell you how you can start your street food business. Um, but other than that, chances are you probably find my WhatsApp number scrawled on a local toilet wall somewhere. So, <laughs> <laughs> try try the black horse uh, in Northfield. Yes, be my first port of call. Oh, but or the man on the moon. <laughs> yes, indeed, indeed. And we're not talking Andy Kaufman. So, okay, in lieu of where to find you, um, are there any shout outs you'd like to give to anyone now that you've uh, you've got the platform? I do, I, I do. It's it's only because Rebecca asked me to. So Rebecca uh, at NCAS, um, I don't know whether she's listening or whether she will be listening. She did say she will listen. Uh, she actually said she hasn't listened to any of your podcasts yet, but she will because. Because she said she will, because I'm on this one, which I thought was very sweet of her. Um, That's why we bring the guests in, bring the listeners. Indeed. So, Rebecca, if you're listening, I hope you're doing well. I hope Tortilla is doing well as well. That's her tortoise, uh, which we talk about on regular occasions. Um, So, yeah, I hope you're having a lovely evening, Rebecca. Well, there we go. And I will say this is a – I totally forgot about the lack of social channels. So – yeah, basically, he can't follow Dave anywhere. But So this is really a treat to be able to hear your voice on the uh, social media waves, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've followed him home a few times, but apart from that, he's, uh, he's an international you can You can reach me via Tom, so... There we go. If you, me- if you message Tom, you know, maybe one day I will cave. Maybe one day I will cave and, and open up, you know, Insta uh, and give it a go. But I'm not interesting enough to launch it. I, I don't have enough interesting things to post pictures of. It would just be, I don't know, just weird pictures of, I don't know, me dressed in Marvel pajamas or something like that. It's just, well, I, I don't leave. 
Mm. Well, yeah. Okay, but, yeah. Well, before these two start uh, down a path of uh, no return and all destruction, I will go ahead and say thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Lost in Translation podcast. Um, I did mention last time, if you are on the Anchor platform listening to us, you can leave us voice notes. Uh, and of course, we love to receive them, and you may be featured on an episode of our podcast. But of course, you can continue to listen to us on all of the platforms that are available to you. Spotify, Apple, Google, etc. We're there. Thank you guys so much for always tuning in. And we will see you next week. See you next time. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.